everyone, and welcome to Conversations on Sex, Addiction, and Relationships. I am here with my buddies, Wendy Conquest and Tim Stein. And today we are talking about gaslighting, and we have Sarah Morales, and she's a life coach, been a life coach for 10 years, and she's been specializing in gaslighting for the last nine years. So we're super excited to bring her on and talk to y'all. Um, but first, let's check in with the crew and see how everyone's doing and and what do you guys think of when you think of gaslighting? I'm really excited we're having this conversation. Uh, for me, when I think about gaslighting, I think about something that is so uh, pervasive, sometimes intentionally, but often unintentionally pervasive. And uh, just helping people to recognize it and, and, and have a conversation about it, about what it is, how it shows up, even if you don't intend it. Um, I, I'm really excited to have that conversation because I just really see this showing up so frequently uh, in the work that we do. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to hear um, Sarah and what she has to say about it. Um, gaslighting, I think, has become a popular term in the um, American vernacular now. You, you see it referenced a lot. And um, the original it came from a movie back in 1941 that was called Gaslight. And um, I, I, when I first was introduced to this phrase, I went and watched the movie. I think the, the, the second one in 1944 with, was with uh, Ingrid Bergman. Um, so there's two versions of it. Um, but um, basically it was about this uh, man who basically um, starts dating a woman who's an heiress. And so, um, in the movie, he, I believe, was doing things very consciously to make her think that um, she, what, what she was seeing and believing was not her uh, version of reality. And so um, uh, I, I always refer clients to watch that actual movie because that's where the term came from. Um, but I think it has evolved over time. Um, but I'm, I'm really uh, interested and invested in hearing what Sarah has to say. Mm -hmm. I love that you thought about the movie and the origin, because I certainly refer people to that to kind of learn about it just in its where it started. And something you said there, Wendy, of the distortion, because that's what I think of with gaslighting. It's, you know, that distortion of reality that the person starts to question. At least that's how I see it. So, all righty. Well, let's let's bring Sarah on and uh, the expert in the room. And of course, Sarah, please join. There she is. Hello, hello. Hi. Thanks for having me on. And um, I wanted to say that again, like you've been specializing in this for nine years. So um, I'm looking forward to this conversations because it sounds like my guess is you can go far and wide with this topic. Listen, can I can I, think out about it all day. So Sarah, yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you how you started specializing in this particular slice of? Yeah, absolutely. Experience? So Early on in my coaching career, um, I moved to Austin, Texas, uh, which is where I still still live. And um, through a long story, which I'm not going to get into, I ended up working for a CSAT here in Austin by the name of Peter Daniels. And he um, he and a intern that he had were about to do um, a week long, no, a week long, a weekend intensive on gaslighting, and they wanted my perspective as a partner. So at that time, I was still married to my now ex-husband, um, who somewhat fell into the sex addiction world. He was also an offender. So that's why I say somewhat. It's very complicated. Um, but 
So they were like, well, we want your perspective on this. And I'm like, I've never heard of gaslighting. And they're like, oh, well, here's the book. And they handed me a book by Dr. Robin Stern. And as I started reading it, I was like, oh my God, like this, there's a word for what I had experienced in my marriage. And um, so of course I, I developed a voracious appetite, right? To, to figure out and to be able to put the pieces of the story together for, for what had happened in my relationship and um, especially some of the effects that had had on me. So Wendy did kind of introduce the definition when she was referring to the movie of Gaslight, but I'm wondering, Sarah, I'm guessing there's lots of definitions. So what is your sort of working definition of gaslighting? Because I want to make sure everybody who's joining us on our podcast that they understand and they're walking this path with us too. Absolutely. And and thank you for asking that. You know, I think it's really important that we establish shared meaning around what something is, right? Because there are so many different approaches and meanings and inferences to even just the definitions. And, um, you know, for a a little bit of a backstory um, to this is for years, I used the kind of standard definition, but I found that it actually confused my clients more. And it also isolated quite a few people because they didn't feel like their gaslighter fit that definition, nor did they feel like what they were experiencing fit that definition. And then I also began to recognize that some of the effects that people were feeling or the ways in which they were gaslight weren't talked about in that definition. So I took a couple of years, honestly, to come up with my own definition of what I felt best epitomized gaslighting as well as made it really super easy to understand, right? Because a lot of them are just like psychobabble that makes it really hard for the normal, like non therapist person or non-clinical person to understand. So my working definition is that gaslighting is when one person or a group of people through covert behaviors convinces another person that what they perceive, believe, think, or feel is inaccurate or invalid. Say that again for me. Yeah, absolutely. So it's when one person or another or a group of people through covert behaviors one part of the definition Mm -hmm. okay then the other part is convinces them so this is where my definition is a little bit different it's not about the attempt it's about the result of the interaction okay so convinces them that what they perceive believe think or feel i also throw in feelings there is inaccurate or invalid can you clarify what you mean by covert behavior or covert actions yeah so covert yeah I was just going to say, Tim, I was totally with you because I was wondering like covert versus overt, like, you know, covert, hidden, overt, obvious. Why I'm curious of like, why particular you said covert. So yes, great question. Right. Because my definition hangs on again, the, the fact that this, I believe gaslighting and and it's important why I believe this, because it, it speaks to the power of the quote unquote victim, um, I believe the person has to be convinced to change their mind basically or to change the way that they feel about something, right? This is the difference between manipulation and gaslighting, by the way. Manipulation is about managing somebody so that they'll do something. Gaslighting is about getting somebody to change something about themselves, okay? So that change part is critical, but what we're seeing with gaslighting becoming such a buzzword is people are slapping it on everything. (laughs) Like if somebody disagrees with me or has a different opinion and they try to communicate it, you're gaslighting me, right? So that's where the covert 
part comes into play, right? Like we're not talking about two people having a conversation and they're each presenting their facts and everything's above board. There's no manipulation. There's no coercion. There's no, um, you know, lying happening. And somebody get changes, convinces the person to change their mind. That wasn't gaslighting. That was just normal humans having a conversation, right? However, if I'm employing any number of covert behaviors, so I just named a few of them. Manipulation is, a, in my opinion, there are gaslighting techniques or tactics, right? Manipulation is one of them. Coercion is one of them. Um, brainwashing is one of them. So there are different techniques that are employed that are covert, they're hidden. And sometimes to, to all y'all's points, they're even hidden to the person that's doing them. They don't right. know that they're being coercive. Some people do know. I believe there's a scale of awareness. So I think it's an important distinction because I think the harm um, that's done to partners who really are gaslit is um, so much more profound. Um, when you really start, um, how do I say, almost like losing your mind, right? Like, like you, you don't know what's real and what's not real anymore. And, and what I, my experience has been is with partners, they start questioning everything. It's not just about pieces around the attic, but, but their, whole, their whole world. And, and not just their whole world, but themselves. They lose. Themselves. To me, the most tragic part of gaslighting is that people lose connection to themselves. So they no longer trust themselves or know themselves. Right? Like I've had clients walk into my office when it, well, when I used to have an in-person office and literally not be able to tell me their favorite color anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. like, like they were so disconnected and, you know, Early on in my career, I, I noticed, you know, I really felt like some of this codependency stuff that people put out there um, was really a, a side effect of gaslighting. Like this thing where, where partners who maybe allow their partner to define for them what they want or all the, like it was. I want to, I want to just break in here. So for yeah. the podcast listeners, Sarah yeah. is using her little quotation fingers. Oh, okay. <laughs> when she said aloud, just to yes. clarify, because some a lot of people aren't going to have visual and okay, going, got it. Wait, we're allowing what? No, we're yeah. not. So she was being facetious. Okay. Yes, but she's uh, sorry, I thought this was only video. I didn't know it was also a podcast. Yes, I'll yeah. be more aware. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so right, like it, it's this side effect of, you know, after years of being told that your feelings aren't valid, that your thoughts aren't valid, that you're inaccurate, you start doubting yourself more and more and more. It's not that you're looking to the other person for what you want or what to think or what choices to make. It's that you've lost connection to yourself and you don't you don't even know what the answer to that is anymore. And so for me, that's one of my passions is to help people reconnect with themselves through the lens of understanding how gaslighting got them to where they were. You know, I will often say with when I'm working with betrayed partners, because what you're talking about right there is that distortion of, and I say my in, your intuition meter got broken. Yeah. Your intuition of do I trust my intuition? Right. I thought it was X. I was told it was Y, and turns out it was Z. Like <laughs> I don't really know what's true in the world or not, and so they're doubting themselves. Right. And so that that intuition meter gets broken. Yeah, and it, it takes a lot of hard, good work to to bring that back on and repair. Yeah, but, and, and that's important too. And I, I would take it even a step further, right? Because the, the further I got into understanding the nuances of gaslighting, the more I started to recognize parts of myself that I had lost. 
during my marriage, my first marriage, right? Um, I'm all, are we allowed to cuss on here? Because I need to know. Okay, no cussing. Got it. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll edit this. <laughs> um, when I was driving one day, and this was probably five years after I first started um, kind of studying gaslighting and all that kind of stuff. And I was kind of just replaying some of the dynamics that had happened in my first marriage where I felt like my ex was better at everything than me better cook, better speaker, better, like everything. Like I was like torn down and put down about. And one of them was about my sense of humor. And so I was driving and I was thinking about like this recent group thing that I had had and how much people were laughing at me and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, wait a second, I'm effing hilarious, right? Like, what is he talking about? Like I was the funny one. He was the like, like kind of a thing, right? Like, but I had lost connection to not just my intuition, but parts of who I was. And so for me, that's like understanding. That's why it's not just about a lot of these things that have been regurgitated of you're crazy or you want too much or these kinds of things. Sometimes the gaslighting is about um, our personalities or our strengths sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if somebody wants to kind of put themselves one up over the other person, they're going to put down the other person's strengths. Like, mm -hmm. I, like I said, I could go on and I could geek out about this all day because there's there's so much I love to share so if somebody, about this. If somebody yeah. is listening to this and they're sort of identifying with it, oh, that sounds like something that I've experienced or that's going on for me. What's what does the healing process look like? How do they how do they get themselves back? Yeah, well, I think it takes time. Um, I think there are a few key components to healing. I think the first thing is destigmatizing gaslighting. That's one of my big missions, right? Because I'm sure all of us on this call and a lot of those listening um, can can think of all the different places where narcissist and gaslighting are interchangeable, right? Like um, I'm a part of a gaslighting forum where more often than not, the question is, does your narcissist do this? Not does your gaslighter do this, but does your narcissist do this? Because they're, they're treated as if they're interchangeable. And to your point, Tim, early on, um, you said that you think that sometimes it's subconscious. I would agree. I think it's a shame, a coping mechanism for shame. I think it's a coping mechanism for fear of rejection. I think there are a lot of different things that can cause people to do a gaslighting behavior, right? That's that covert behavior. They don't even know that they're telling a half truth because they're an autopilot protecting their shame. I want right? to pause there because yeah. this is a thing that I mean, I know I completely agree with you. I'm guessing yeah. Tim completely agrees. I don't know where you are, Wendy, on this, but that is that is a lot of us who do this work of that's where we are of there's a lot of shame here. Yeah, absolutely. It's not necessarily narcissism. It might be. Yeah. It might be. Yeah. Um, but it, there's a shame piece and yeah. a protective mechanism protecting the psyche. And I don't know that the, I feel like that's kind of controversial. I do, too. A lot of people don't yeah. like me for saying it. <laughs> oh, because, okay. Wendy, well, what do you think? Right. Well, so, you know, I, I can, you know, I can hear some, some um, frustrated partners saying, oh, so the reason that he emotionally abused me and caused me all this harm was because of his shame. Like how, you know, how do those two relate? Like I, I can, you know, I can hear a lot of people saying, I just, yeah go there right like that yeah. is such a horrific behavior what now what am I supposed to have compassion for him 
Our, we seem to have a really hard time, and I think it, it happens in this community a lot, being able to hold somebody accountable for something they've done and simultaneously having compassion for what they've gone through that got them there. Yeah, and what I think that is, is I think it's a twofold thing. I think um, one, uh, partners are really worried about being invalidated, mm -hmm. right? Like if if they're doing it because of this and not this, then then my pain isn't as valid as if it were this. Right? Which so is false, that, of course. Right, it's false, right? But we're not really taught to understand the difference between intent and impact, mm -hmm. right? So I actually have this whole analogy that I use about the difference between um, if someone trips and falls into you and you end up with a broken arm or they push you and you fall back and you end up with a broken arm. The end result in both situations is a broken arm is the same kind of pain. The intent by, behind the person that caused your eventual broken arm is different. Therefore, we need to interact differently with them, right? In fact, in this illustration, I talk about, let's say that the person that tripped left a mess, right? So that's like our addicts, right? That are in, a, especially our addicts that are in recovery. Recovery is messy, right? They trip over their mess and they fall into you and you end up with a broken arm. You have the right to say, hey, you need to clean up your mess because if you don't clean up your mess, you're going to keep tripping and you're going to keep falling into me and I'm going to keep ending up with broken arms. Now, you're not a monster who's pushing me, but the end result is still the same. And therefore, my request for you to clean up your mess is valid. Right. It doesn't I think that's powerful for the I like that. community. Yeah. I like that a lot. I do too. I like that. And, and for the partner community, because the emotionally abusive impact of gaslighting is huge. It is huge. It's, it's huge. And so there's a difference, I think, between having compassion and excusing. Exactly. No one's excusing the behavior. Yeah. Now, whether you end up with a broken arm, you still have a broken arm. And you still needed to be tend to and nurtured and cared for and supported and resourced because of the injury you've experienced. Yes. I, I hate the idea that people are feeling, would feel invalidated. Agreed. Yeah. But the difference is our boundaries are different depending on the person's intent. Mm -hmm. Our trauma is not different. Our boundaries are different. The things that we might require of the person is different. Whether we even want to stay in relationship with the person depends a lot on intent. Now, do you, you feel like? Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Yeah, so, so, can you, because that can be confusing. Um, okay. Because in sex addiction, you know, a, a sex addict will definitely say, I never intended, I never Correct. intended to hurt my wife or to hurt my girlfriend. And I, in, in the majority of cases that I work with, that is true. There wasn't a conscious intent. A lot of this is uh, either learned behavior, right? They learned mm -hmm. it from their families mm -hmm. and they're just recreating it or they right. learned it as a coping mechanism. So, so can you talk a little bit about what the intent piece means? Sure, sure, sure. So um, for context, I use that illustration right before I share in um, in my what's going to be my um, my deconstructing gaslighting 101 video series, um, formerly my workshop, um, a, a scale that I've come up with. Now it's not empirically researched; it's just something that I've created to help people grasp what I'm talking about. Right. So if you think that there is a, a level of awareness that a gaslighting person might have, right, it's everything from completely unaware, which is 
my, my journey through gaslighting was, oh crap, this is what happened in my marriage to, oh crap, I've done this to my kids to, oh crap, I do this to myself. Right. So that's been my journey of, of understanding different types of gaslighting. So you can be completely unaware to partially aware, which what I mean for that is I might know I'm being manipulative, but I don't really understand the impact, right? Versus I do believe that people that are maybe, you know, cluster B personality disorder, whatever you want to say, antisocial, sociopath, whatever, right? (laughs) They know what they're doing. I do think that there are Charles Boyer characters out there who absolutely know what they're doing. Their intention is to break the other person and mold them into a person that allows them to continue in their addiction or whatever. There's a whole spectrum there, right? So if I'm a partner and all I know is the Charles Boyer character, that's going to scare the crap out of me. Okay, I, who's Charles? Whomever. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm like, sorry. Oh, gosh, Charles I, Boyer. I'm not up on my pop culture. Pop culture. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the guy in in the Gaslight movie. movie. In the Gaslighting yeah. movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ingrid Bergman was the woman, yes. and Charles Boyer was the, the okay. Gaslighter. Thank you. I'm I'm all yeah, the way yeah, here yeah. now. And okay, just sorry case, about that. Just in case you're newly joining us, this is conversations sex addiction and relationships. We're talking gaslighting today and we've got Sarah Morales who's joining us. She's an expert in gaslighting. I also has her own podcast on gaslighting and that's who you're visiting. So stay with us. Go back to you, Sarah. <laughs> All right. Um, so to your question, Wendy, about the, the intent piece, right? Um, if I, intent and awareness are linked for me. Okay. So if I'm fully aware of my, or my, rather my partner is fully aware of what they're doing and I have an inkling that they're, they fall a little bit more on that scale. I'm going to have a different set of likely needs and boundaries, or might even just say like, Ooh, I'm out of here. I'm not willing to fight any longer. I'm not willing, willing to deal with the messiness because it's likely not going to change. You know, if we go down in the scale to somebody who's kind of, to your point, that kind of learned behavior from childhood, and there's hope that they could unlearn this behavior, I might be willing to put up with a messiness for a time. But at the same point, one of the reasons why this is an important um, distinction for me is because I think more often than not, I've seen a lot of partners um, lower their bar, right? And say, it's okay that it's messy because he can't help it. Right. We, we kind of gaslight ourselves as partners and saying, well, he was raised in a family that A, B and C. I know I did the same thing. I'm like, there were some atrocious things that happened in my ex's childhood. And that was something I was like, well, I can understand why it's messy. So I guess I just have to put up with these broken arms. And I'm kind of like, no, at that, we don't have to put up with broken arms. Like we get to say, even though their intent is not to harm me, they still are. This is exactly what we were just talking about a second ago. The difference between understanding where a person is or what they do and why they do it versus excusing. Exactly. We are not excusing no. the behavior. They are always yeah. accountable, responsible. Yeah. So, okay. Continue. This is great. Yeah. So to me, that, that, that piece of understanding that there are different levels of awareness and different kind of intentions, if you will. Right. Um, again, I'll say it with the semi-aware, it's not great behavior. Being manipulative is out of integrity for a decent human being, right? Like lying, deception, these are not okay, but it's different than somebody who is, my intention is to break you because some people do that. Some people are like that and that's a different intention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How can someone know the difference? Well, I think it takes time. 
I think it takes one of the things I encourage a lot of my clients to do is um, to ask for their person to have psyche valves. Honestly, I, I'm like all for it. Go for it. Like, you know, as and I think for me, um, one of the things we t I talk about is what does true healing take in a relationship when there has been gaslighting? Right. And not just words and actions, but words and actions. And are they saying that, that what they're going to do? Are they honoring their boundaries? And then are they are they showing resentment? Are they showing complicity? Because if they are, then it's not it, 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 that's not good enough. It's not good enough. We need to raise our bar and be like, we need to see a heart change. We need to see true remorse. We need to see empathy. We need to see like those kinds of things, I believe, truly speak to whether or not um, someone's awareness and intention where it might fall on the scale. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, I don't know about the. I'm, I'm curious about about how what the rest of your experience have been. Um, you know, so I've been doing this now for 12 years, and so when the suggestion of a psyche veil comes up, um, I'm always. I think that's a own little assessment piece because if the person is no, no, no way, no, no, never, no, no, that that gives a lot of information, right? Yeah. It's like. Hmm. If the person's like, well, I really don't like this. I feel really uncomfortable, but if, if this is what we need to do, then okay. And then the person that says psyche veil, whatever, fine. Mm -hmm. I, I think that that tells a lot about where, um, um, leaning towards, well, is there really a, a deep rooted psychological problem? Um, because I think a lot of partners are, are, are trying to figure out who, this is going to sound kind of maybe crass, but who and what am I dealing with? Yeah. Yeah. I also, I'm doing a lot of work right now on the stages of mm -hmm. uh, recovery. And, and I think it also has a, uh, there's a piece about where they are in their own recovery. Like somebody who's had it, who's done gaslighting either maliciously or, or um, unconsciously early in recovery is going to have, they might look very similar. You know, yep. there's any resistance. Uh, I didn't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. For me, the difference early in recovery comes later on is like after maybe a week or two, you know, the person kind of like has that light bulb moment of, oh, I, I guess maybe I did do that. Yep. And then as they move on, you know, one of the things that I think that, that I know a lot of partners get frustrated about is the addict is going to be incredibly imperfect as they figure this out. And I'm always an advocate for when you recognize you did something, so if, if, you, if you recognize that you gaslit, that you gave information, that you gave a half-truth, that you, you know, sort of um, omitted some important information that needed to be included, either you recognize it or somebody points it out to you, are you willing to circle back and clean that up? Absolutely, 100%. Versus, yeah, no, I, I see that, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back because she'll, and what are their excuses for why they're, they're yeah. not going to do that. And for, for me, I, most of the partners that I work with are willing to tolerate the imperfection if the addict is genuinely trying to clean up the mess, no matter how imperfectly, they, you know, even if they're doing that imperfectly. You know, Tim, with the partners having a little bit more patience if, if uh, their, their loved one is genuinely working, authentically working, and see that, that for me right there is such the hard part for, parent, for partners because I thought he was genuine before, and I'm doing a lot of he's. I, I thought the addict was genuine before, and now that person is still looking genuine, and I can't tell what's true or not, 
because back to my intuition meter is broken. And so partners will continue to be hesitant, uh, scared to hope, scared to take that risk that maybe change is happening because it looks, smells the same as it used to. Isn't this Even kind though of, yeah. the other person has done their work, you know, it's just one of those pieces that gets, it's a struggle to struggle and, for partners. And isn't this one of those places where, you know, with the partner, we might be encouraging a little bit of patience as the addict is finding their footing. With the addict, we're also encouraging a lot of patience of, hey, you, you, whether you meant to or not, your partner has this wound. They're unsure of what reality is. They're trying to figure it out. They don't trust what you're saying because in the past, what you said wasn't always accurate. And you're trying to do things differently. You need to be patient as your partner catches up. And what you can do is be consistent and be patient and allow your partner to experience you in a different way consistently over time. And I think what we're moving towards is, is we're going into this talk and, you know, only have a, you know, five minutes or so more is what can people do about it? Yeah. yeah. So if you think, you know, cause what you just described right there and, and me too is, is, is here are some things to look for and here's what it looks for. If you're that patience piece, which when you've been harmed, it's, you're, it's like asking someone to be patient when they're being harmed is, is so uncomfortable, it's understandably and painful. But let's go back to you, Sarah. I'm curious, like if someone's recognizing, let's go for the partner perspective, the gaslighter, the gaslightee, I don't know what word you want to use. Like Mm -hmm. what what can be some first steps for them? Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say to what was just being talked about. um, For me, I always encourage my my clients um, to, to really, if you're going to invest in giving your person a try giving them an opportunity to prove that they can be a person of integrity and safe and all of those types of things. First of all, obviously we work on boundaries to keep ourselves safe, to cause, to create a little bit of a buffer because the only way to tell if someone is being genuine or not is over time, right? That's going to have to play out over time. And what I see in those that are authentically embracing recovery is like really, as soon as they start working on some of their shame stuff, automatically some of the gaslighting starts to lessen because they're not feeling as much shame. They're not carrying as much of a burden of a shame. So that stuff that was subconscious, they're not even needing to do, right? Um, and then as they, they work on becoming more aware and being able to communicate better and all of these kinds of things. So um, I often encourage them to think about it like the stock market and how you hope your investments go, right? Like they start off in the bottom and you want them to go up, but there's going to be dips, right? They're going to revert back to old behaviors. It doesn't mean they're acting out. It means they have some wiring that they're still working on rewiring. But overall, there should be an upward trajectory versus a pattern that looks the same as you stretch it out over the course of a year, et cetera, because you'll see those patterns if you pay attention, right? And so part of what I love to do is help people understand how do I pay attention? How do I recognize these things? So to your point, how do we heal? Like, how do we how do we work on this? How do we do this? So for, for me, information is power. And um, I think it's two-sided. I, um, I work a lot with people on understanding how to recognize those covert behaviors, right, that we talked about in my definition. Um, and then honestly, for me, the most empowering part is understanding what makes me vulnerable to gaslighting, which is different in everybody right? Like there are some common generalities, but for example, for me, as smart as I like to think that I am, I am so gullible. I am really, really super gullible, 
Like, I just want to trust everybody, <laughs> right? And that made me vulnerable to gaslighting, right? So when I was gentle with myself, but yet firm with myself, and I went back and I looked at when was I gullible? When, when did I kind of give away my knowing? Like somewhere deep in my knowing, like deep in my knowing, I knew that wasn't the whole truth. Like if I go back and I'm like gently, cause I was doing my Angelou quote, do the best you can until you know better Then when you know better, do better. I was doing the best that I knew how, but now that I know that that wasn't what was going on. And I, I go back and I think about, I felt, you know, I felt unsettled, but because I didn't have proof, I dismissed it. Well, I'm not going to do that anymore. If I feel unsettled about something and I don't have proof, I'm not going to, I'm going to be relentless with my curiosity. I'm going to ask question and question and question and question and question, right? Like I'm going to give myself permission to be a bother. I don't care if I'm irritating the other person. Like I'm going to keep asking questions, right? Until I feel peace, right? So it's understanding what are the things. So it's, it's kind of one, two punch, understanding how to recognize the different gaslighting behaviors. And then also what are my Achilles heels? Because we all have them. It doesn't mean we're broken. I don't think we ask for it. I don't, I don't think any of that bull crap, like as a survivor of this type of abuse, I would never victim blame. Never, ever, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. And if I want to be in my power, the best way for me to know how to be in my power is to know what makes me vulnerable. And there are beautiful things often that people take advantage of. Right? So Perfect. I just got to be aware of that. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Um, starting to close this up, any closing comments or, or ideas from our group of things you would do for folks who are healing from gaslighting? I was thinking, you know, one of the things I would say to folks is um, learning about it, information is power, back to what you said out there, and recognizing when it's happening in the moment so you can choose not to engage. Yep. Oh, that's, that, that's happening right now. I'm not going to add more words to this conversation. I'm going to understand that we all need a break and I choose to not engage. And so I'm going to, you know, stage left, I'm out kind of a thing. What about you guys? Yeah, I think, well, it's, a, you know, it is complicated um, because I believe that, um, the partner shame um, gets activated um, as as well, and so um, and I I think it's great when a partner takes inventory of who, who her support system is and who her support support systems are, and if there are holes somehow to um, to build that up, and so I think it's important um, to go to people who you trust and say, you know what, um, this and this happened. Does that does that make sense to you, right? Yeah. Am I crazy? Or and, and a lot of times people from the outside, if they're trustworthy sources, trustworthy, you know, friends uh, or family can say, wow, that doesn't sound right to me. Or um, boy, this is, if, if I was in your position, this is what I would do. Um, I don't know if that fits for you, Sarah. Um, yeah, I mean, support, support people, safe support people are crucial. Right. Um, I've had so many clients say that if I hadn't had my group or, you know, my input, I, I would have gone back to my gaslighter because it's hard to grab hold of reality when you're being told that your reality isn't your reality. Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. really slippery. It's like a slippery rope. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that totally tracks. And I would also say, you know, just add a tiny little bit um, is that when you exit stage left, like check in with yourself, mm -hmm. right? like what's happening 
What do I think about the situation? What do I feel like? Bring yourself back to your perspective because gaslighting takes us out of our perspective. Gaslighting takes us out of our feelings, you know, so, so come back and ask yourself. What do Great I, reminder. Yeah. Great reminder. Great reminder. I appreciate the idea of allowing it to take time. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about situations where sometimes, you know, the partner might say you were just doing this and the addict might completely deny and gaslight and say, I wasn't doing that. How could you think that or whatever they do? And yet there are other times when what the partner interpreted or, or saw and what they made up about that interaction was nowhere on the addict's radar. And they're not going to know which interpretation is more accurate unless there's time. And I think that this also comes down for partners of deciding, am I willing to put in the time? Am I willing to stay here and, and, and give this time to figure that out? Or is it just too painful and, I, and I'm not willing to do that? And, uh, and I just have to move on because that's what I need to do for myself for my own healing. Yeah, even if it's just because of the mess. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Going back to the analogy, even if it's just because they were willing to pick up the big things, but not the little things, and there's still too much of a risk for ending up with another broken arm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sarah, for being here. Thank and you. I want to do a shout out for your podcast. What is it called? Yeah. Share with us. Yeah, it's called Deconstructing Gaslighting with Sarah Morales. Yay. And you said you're creating a class. Um, so I, yeah, I have had a 12 week program um, that I had only in a format of doing it through a group context and I'm working on turning it into a digital course uh, with the option of choosing coaching as well. So it'll be more accessible at a lower price point. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you for being here and helping educate yep. us and the community on gaslighting and My pleasure. To the folks who are there. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Jeannie Batoni signing off, Tim Stein, Many Conquests. Oh, Dan's not here today, by the way. He had some very important things he needed to take care of. He sends his apologies, Sarah. Not able to be here, but thank you for visiting us and feel free to like us and all those cool places, Facebook, Twitter. Thank you, wherever, wherever I'm supposed to be saying. <laughs> and thank you for being here. Bye-bye.